Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the GRIP podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu and your host of the show. And today I have someone with me that, uh, geez, I think Josh was kind of my intro to real estate since my wife and Josh go way, way back. Um, maybe not in the way you guys are thinking about, but in business building. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, wanted to kick things off today. I'm with Josh Cunningham, the CEO, founder of Rockerbox. Uh, Josh actually helped Spring form, or he replaced her building her own ISA team back in the day. So we'll dive into that today. But uh, Josh has some fun stories to share with us today. I'm excited to to hear about it. And Josh, I'm just going to let you maybe give a little more bit more of your background, and then we can go from there. How long have you been in the real estate industry now? So I got sort of a jump start into the industry in 2011. Uh, I was actually working back in Texas at a small boutique brokerage, and uh, as a recruiter. And um, the brokerage followed Mike Ferry, and so my broker would send me to Mike Ferry training events. And um, in July of 2011, I bumped into a guy named Frank Klesitz, who, for those of you who don't know, he's the founder and CEO of Viral Marketing and um, ran into Frank Klesitz, you know, kind of uh, uh, really hit it off just chatting about business and entrepreneurship. And of course, we had a great time out at the nightclubs in Las Vegas. And at the end of the trip, I I really had no idea what he was up to. I thought he was maybe an agent or had something to do with the conference. But uh, later on, we connected on Facebook and I came to realize that he was uh, actually the founder and CEO of Viral Marketing, which at the time he had about 35 clients, he had two employees. and um, But the most um, important thing about his uh, experience and his um, success was that the 35 clients that he had were all top producing agents across the country. And, uh, you know, I knew that because a lot of them were speaking on stage at this Mike Ferry event. And, um, you know, there's so many different cliches about how to be successful or how to you know follow successful people. But essentially, if you surround yourself with people that are doing greater and bigger, better things than you are, then you can, you know, follow in their, their path and, and learn from their mistakes and, and learn from their successes. So I literally reached out to Frank on a Facebook post uh, back in August of 2011. I said, Hey, how can I work for viral marketing from college station? Cause viral was based in Omaha and I was in college station, Texas. And so that simple decision to, you know, make that post and, and, and start a conversation with Frank. And, and I took a leap of faith and left my cushion job behind and, and jumped into that entrepreneurial world. And that's really when I got, you know, sort of a, a, a rocket ship uh, in the real estate industry, because Frank and I were literally on the road two or three weeks out of every month, going to all these different seminars and masterminds and conferences and any sort of prestigious yeah. room that we could buy our ways into. And it was through that experience, through traveling with Frank for a couple of years, that sort of opened my eyes to the opportunity that is Rockerbox. And so um, that's so that was, geez, that was about 11 years ago. So yeah. congratulations. How old were you at the time? Oh, I don't even remember, man. I was, uh, let's see, I'm 37 now. So I'd have been 26. Uh, uh, 26 then. years old. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, you've been in that entrepreneur world ever since. So. Yep. Yep. 
started out thinking, hey, I may be in real estate. And now you've built something that supports the real estate industry. So so you and Frank were going around. We might as well finish that story. And uh, you worked with Frank for a while. And then how did Rockerbox come to be? Yeah. So Spring was one of my clients, one of my first clients ever. And, uh, and you're you know, talking I, about at uh, Frank's company. At Viral Marketing. Yeah. Viral. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so that's how I got uh, introduced to Spring. And of course, our mission at Viral Marketing was to help people create video content to send it out to their database so they get all that referral and repeat business back. And uh, so I was working with Spring, you know, coaching her on the videos that she, she needed to be making. And uh, at one point in time, she asked me for a little bit of additional help with, you know, a buyer sequence. Um, she had a Boomtown account. And she's like, hey, I need to get better conversion out of this. Are there some videos that I can create? Is there an email drip that I can do? And so I helped her out with a little bit of that. We built a sophisticated email video drip. And um, she still wasn't seeing the results that she wanted. And she was getting really frustrated with all the money she was sinking into the ad spend, the Boomtown platform, you know, as well as just all the agents that are just cherry picking the leads. And she's not getting the best ROI from it. So Again, I'm going to all these conferences and seminars, rubbing elbows with all the top producing agents and top producing teams. And I had heard about this model called an ISA model, Inside Sales Assistant. And one day, Spring and I were sitting uh, at a mastermind. It was a Boomtown Breakfast Mastermind. And people were going around the room talking about their frustrations. And some people were talking about some of the things they'd done to succeed. And the ISA model kept coming up, kept coming up. And I was like, well, that's what you need to do, Spring. You just got to go hire an ISA. And she's like, well, it's much easier said than done. Why don't I just hire you to help me do this? And so that was the initial you know, journey. The initial project that we set out on to do was to help her hire an ISA in-house. And of course, she you know, paid me a consulting fee to help her apply all the hypothetical theories and models. But we very quickly understood that just about two months into the process, the ISA that we had hired we had trained her up on all these phone skills, trained her up on all these scripts, on all these objection handlers. She got very comfortable talking to leads. She got very comfortable handling rejection. And she was handing off all these hot opportunities to the agents in the office. And that's when she saw the real money being made. So one day, the ISA Carly, you know, things were looking good. And she marches in the Springs office and says, hey, guess what? I got great news. I'm signing up to get my real estate license. I want to be an agent, just like everybody else here on the team. And so that's when we were Back at square one, and I realized, though, there really needs to be a permanent turnkey ISA solution for the industry. And uh, the talent piece of it, I decided to uh, go back to College Station, Texas. So for those of you who don't know, that's home to Texas A&M University. Uh, And despite all the Aggie jokes you may have heard, uh, it is actually a very prestigious university. They collect normally the top 10% of the high school graduating classes. And, you know, these students come to this town which is pretty much a college town. You know, it's in the middle of all the metropolitan areas and um, they're looking for ways to invest in themselves and grow their skills and explore new experiences so that by the time they graduate, they can walk the stage with multiple job offers. And so that was sort of the, the connection that I saw to be able to find a good, consistent supply of talent. And so I went back to College Station and said, all right, Spring, you don't have an ISA. Guess who's going to make the calls now? me, myself, and I. So uh, I strapped up a headset that was in the summer of 2013 and uh, started smiling and dialing and just, you know, again, applying all the hypothetical models and strategies. And, you know, really the most important thing was determining what was the best investment of human capital that was going to equal the greatest return on these internet leads. And so that's the uh, the puzzle that we've been, you know, solving over the last eight years now. Um, we've handled over two and a half million internet leads uh, and we've hired and trained over 350 inside sales assistants to do this work for agents all across the country. And uh, of course, we've helped hundreds and hundreds of agents from coast to coast uh, close more deals from their internet leads by you know, following our process and doing it consistently, 
on a day-to-day basis. So that's really where the magic is. So Josh, when I met you, it must've been well, seven and a half years ago, about seven years yeah, you ago, just got some, married somewhere around there. Yeah. So anyway, you've come a long ways and tell me how, how many cells, I call them cells development reps, uh, SDRs is what that's called in the uh, software world. Yeah. But, uh, and they've so many been around different forever in the software world, but you know, the real estate world is uh, now getting to where every team I see is talking about ISAs, either how do they solve for this with somebody like you, mm-hmm. or how do they build these on their own, or maybe they've had them on their own. I've seen, I know, I know teams that we work with that have had ST or ISAs now for, for the last 10 years. So mm-hmm. it's, it's all over the board, but how many, how many of those reps do you have now? So your- we, have, we have at any point in time, anywhere between 35 to 50. Uh, and okay. like I said, over the course of the years, we've hired and trained 350. We don't have all of them on staff now because again, yeah. these are college students. So they've all, most of them have graduated and moved on to, you know, the next steps in their you know, professional career. But yeah, at any given time, we'll have between 35 to 50 uh, part-time ISAs on staff. Okay. So if I want... I can just leverage you guys to be my ISA team and you'll pass leads to my agents. Exactly. Yeah. We, uh, we specialize in a couple of different CRMs. We work in Boomtown, uh, Commissions Inc. We're also rolling out a Chime department as well. And then, uh, of course, we always keep our ear to the streets and keep exploring other CRMs that we would want to learn because, I mean, that's what we are. We're a human capital organization. At the end of the day, what our client cares about is there's a really high quality call made. And so we're not a technology add-on. We've never written a line of code in our life. We leave that to the, the geniuses like you at CSU. But we have to essentially learn that CRM. We log into it. We take a seat. We call the leads. We pass them uh, along to the agents as soon as they get hot and ready. Uh, and that's the formula that we follow. So yeah, we've had a lot of teams that have grown and scaled with us. Um, started out as an individual agent and just needed some extra help. And then they started you know, leveraging our services to recruit agents to the team uh, and provide, you know, an abundance of opportunity for them. And, um, they've really been able to grow and scale their organizations and, you know, spend their time doing what it is that they want to do. You know, that's, that's what entrepreneurship is all about is about creating freedom in your life to to do with it, what you want, whether that's spend time with your family or spend more time on work or, you know, open up a, another business on the side. Um, that's sort of the freedom that we allow people to create. So I've seen, uh, obviously CSU has been around now for five I guess five and a half years, something like that mm-hmm. rolled out about three and a half years ago. Anyway, what I've noticed though, is all of these companies just call it realtor.com, Zillow, Redfin, you know, list goes on and on. These guys all have people that call their leads and mm-hmm. follow up on them and mm-hmm. hand them off. And so you as a real estate team, like you need to do the same thing, right? Agents mm-hmm. are not lead follow-up people. Yep. So, so it's critical that you have somebody that's going to be there on top of it or, or they're going to disappear. So when we talk about that, Josh, um, agents not being lead follow-up people, mm-hmm. um, I, I know, you know, all the mistakes that agents make. So maybe yep. we could talk about that for a minute. Yeah. We actually just, uh, compiled a, you know, an internal report uh, at Rockerbox about the, the, the five biggest mistakes that agents are making with their leads. And it doesn't really matter at what point of the process, whether it's a, a brand new cold registration or a warm opportunity that's been handed off to you or someone from your database that you're reaching out to or a referral that you've been introduced to. These are pretty much the, the five most important mistakes that agents are making with their leads right now. 
Uh, and I'd be happy to share the PDF with you if you want to put it on your um, tools and resources here. But uh, the first one here is that they asked closed-ended questions. And it, again, we've been in sales for a really long period of time. So sometimes it seems like a no-brainer to, to us. But for a lot of people who are new to the industry, that are new to sales, I mean, for the most part, real estate a lot of times is like a people came from somewhere else and landed in real estate. So they may not have had some sort of formal sales training. But the difference between a closed-ended question and an open-ended question, a closed-ended question is anything you can answer yes or no to. And an open-ended question is, is intended to open up the conversation. So the first thing we always hear from agents all the time is they get a new lead or they get a hot opportunity or they get introduced to a referral and they call them up and they say, hey, uh, can I help out with your home search? Like that's a closed-ended question. Can I help out with your home search? Someone could say no. And then where do you go from there? It's an uphill battle. Instead, think about the difference, the, the significant difference by just adding one word, which is how. How can I help out with your home search? You can't necessarily answer yes or no to that. So a lot of times when we're working with teams and we're ha handing off these warm vetted leads to them and they're still having struggles, you know, we'll, we'll encourage the, the team owners to go in and listen to the calls that are being made by the agents and just starting right off the bat, what is the first question that they're asking them? You know, hey, my name is so-and-so. I was given your information here. Can I help out with your home search? Oh, no, I'm fine. Just looking. Thanks. See you later. Like. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So just that one, um, you know, addition of that word, how, how can I help out with your home search? Uh, yeah. I mean, opens that, up. That, that's an invaluable thing. Anybody, yep. anybody that has new agents coming into the business, like if you could just teach them that right up front, mm -hmm. it's going to make a major, major impact on their success. They're going to have significantly more conversations than they are right now by just literally providing an opportunity for the door to be slammed in their face every single yeah. time. So yeah. that's one of the first things we noticed. Um, another one of the big mistakes that we see is that, uh, and this is this even goes into our own training when we're training all of our ISAs, like we have a very thorough one-on-one um, -on -one training course where you know, when someone comes into Rockerbox, they get 16 hours of one-on-one -on -one coaching before we even put them out onto the floor. Um, and so these are obviously a lot of the things that we're, you know, aware of and coaching into our callers as well. But the second thing is they don't listen to understand. What most people do is they fire off a question and then they just blank out and they're thinking about what's the next question that I need to ask. I just right. learned this brand new script here. Right. And I haven't really internalized and I haven't really memorized it and practiced it. So I'm literally just worried about what's the next thing that I'm supposed to say instead of actually listening to understand. Because a lot of times when you get into a good conversation with somebody about real estate, you may have five or six questions, you know, the, the, the pre-qualifying questions that you want to ask, time frame, motivation, do they have a home to sell? How are they planning on making this purchase? Uh, things of that sort. And a lot of times what will happen is you'll ask one question and the lead may actually answer another question in their response. And then you sounding like a complete amateur, then turn right around and ask them the same question that they've literally just answered. And so again, or, or you, or you ask them a question that's totally unrelated to what they just stated, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, in this game of, of cold buyer lead generation, I mean, this isn't the referral and repeat business that, 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 that we're used to here where people know you, they like you, they trust you. I mean, you literally kind of stole their information off the internet. Like you, you baited them with a website that gave them some listings. After a couple listings, you literally forced them to register. That's a cold lead, man. Uh, and, and by the way, the, the key uh, ad words and phrases that they're searching for online are not realtors for hire. It's homes for sale. 
Like they're not looking for you as a realtor. What they're looking for is the homes. And so you have to interject that search and provide some value. So if you jump on the phone with a cold lead and you just start firing off questions and they feel like you're not listening to them, like you're not understanding them, it creates such a chasm of, of, of disconnect that they're not going to want to move forward with you. I mean, what, what type of um, precedence does that set when someone thinks to themselves, I just told this guy this answer and he's sitting here asking me the same question again, like, how is this going to phase out through the rest of this entire process, which for most people is the largest investment they're ever going to make if you can't listen to understand. So that's one of the most important things. Again, if you go and you start listening to some of your, your ISAs or your agents and listen to their calls, that's one of the things that we actually have. We have what's called a customer service evaluation, and it allows us to scorecard and grade someone's call. And that's literally a checkbox in each section of the CSE. Did they listen to understand? Did they listen to understand? Are they not just thinking about what they're going to talk about next? So, so Josh, it's interesting because you, you mentioned something that is these guys are looking at homes. They're not looking for realtors. Mm -hmm. So I know that just from spring, right. She works closely with a lot of these big companies. And I know that Zillow's strategy has been, Hey, you know what, just get that person in the home. You know, they want, they were looking at a home schedule a showing and go meet them at the home. Like that's, that's their number one thing because that's what those people are looking for. And I think so many agents out there are thinking, Oh, I've got to get them pre-qualified and I've got to understand if they're going to sell their home. I've got to understand all this stuff before I meet with them. But like you said, you know, these are, you said these are cold leads. I think there's, I think they're warm if they're looking for a home and you're taking them to that home mm -hmm. because you can get in front of them. Mm -hmm. And the first, the first agent in front of them is the one that wins. Yep. So, yep. So anyway, uh, but uh, it's such great advice that you're bringing here. So those are the top two. Yeah. And that's a great transition because you bring me right to number three, which is that um, agents, you know, besides listening to understand another thing that they'll do, that's just terrifying is that they talk about themselves instead of inquiring about the needs and motivation of the lead on the other end of the phone. And that's the whole yeah. reason we've been able to grow and scale our operation from coast to coast. Again, all of our callers are based out of College Station, Texas. There are students at Texas A&M University. They have zero local market knowledge for every single one of our clients. Like They don't know anything at all about the homes, the listing, the inventory, and they're not supposed to because they're an unlicensed assistant. But how do you still hold a conversation with somebody without having any information? See, what most agents think is, oh, I need to brag about myself and all my accolades and all my knowledge and all my expertise. But the way that and we're and able my, to- And my team and what we're going to do to support you. When and really the awards that we've won and all this stuff. But yeah. the reason why we're able to hold a conversation with somebody coast to coast without any local market knowledge is because we have the conversation about them, about the other person on the other end of the phone. What are their needs? What is their motivation? What is their time frame? And so you can have that conversation with anybody in the country without having local market knowledge. And you make the person feel very special and important and wanted and needed in their life because you're allowing them the opportunity to talk about them. I mean, if you've ever studied any sales or any, you know, social networking uh, type of dynamics, I mean, it's always about giving people an opportunity to talk about themselves. People love talking about themselves and that's what, you know, makes the quality of a good listener. And that's why people feel more connected with people who just listen to them. So don't talk about yourselves, but ask really good questions. You want to learn and find out about the other person's needs and motivation. And then you can use your expertise to connect that with the best resource uh, that's available to them, whether that be, Hey, let's go hop in the car and go look at some homes right now. Or, Hey, you know, it sounds like you're a little bit further down the line. 
let's keep in touch. You know, why don't you stay uh, active here on the website and uh, let us know if you need anything. So that's the third biggest mistake we ma- they make. And um, then that, that skill people can take and put that into all aspects of their life and it'll completely change your life. Not yeah. just your business, right? Your business, your personal relationships, your, you know, relationships with your parents, your, your children, whatever that might be. If you give people more of an opportunity to talk about themselves and you listen you're going to make better connections. So great point there. Um, Number four here is uh, they make terrible recommendations. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Weak recommendations really uh, is the way of putting it. Um, I'm sure we've all gotten to that point in a sales process where you feel like it's time to take the next step forward, whatever that might be. And you just don't know how to get the words to come out of your mouth without sounding like an idiot. And so what happens is a lot of times people use a lot of mitigated speech, beating around the bush essentially is what it is. So a lot of times when we're listening into one of our callers, when we get to the recommendation portion of the script, because that's how we have our script uh, set up, there's a contact, we ask questions, we make a recommendation. And then we encourage them. So when we get to that recommendation portion of the script, you can't be using words like maybe, might, should, possibly, could, if you'd like to. Like that's a weak recommendation. Well, hey, Brian, you know, maybe possibly if you weren't busy next week, we could um, maybe go get in the car and possibly look at some homes. Of course, if you weren't busy doing anything else, that's a very weak recommendation. When people are working in real estate, they want to work with a professional. This is a very expensive price tag. They don't want to be working with an amateur. They don't want to be you know, made a fool in this process and feel like they lost out on tens of thousands of dollars. They yeah. want to work with an expert. And the way that an expert communicates is they make strong recommendations. If you go to your doctor and you have to have some you know, immediate surgery, your doctor's not going to tell you, oh, well, you know, you might want to consider maybe possibly thinking about getting this surgery here that might could, you know, and maybe improve some things possibly later on down the road. Oh, they're going to tell you, hey, man, here's the situation. This is exactly what we recommend. And let's go ahead and move forward with it. So that's what you have to be thinking about when you're making recommendations in the real estate world. Whether Again, whether it be let's go look at homes or whether it be let's just stay in touch uh, or, hey, let me, let me introduce you to my lender to see what you can qualify for. You've got to make a strong recommendation. So remove all the, the mitigated speech, quit beating around the bush and get straight to the point. And a very simple, easy phrase that you can always use is based on what you told me, I would recommend blank. It's a very simple phrase. You can plug and play that in any industry. Well, Brian, based on what you told me, the best resource available to you would be to meet with one of the experts on our team so that they can help you put a financial plan in place to see what you can afford and and go start taking a look at some homes. So it's a much stronger recommendation. So a lot of times, again, there's so much that's been put into this process. You had to pay for AdWords. You had to get a registration. You had to have the courage to pick up the phone. You had to ask open-ended questions to get into the conversation. You had to listen to understand so you don't sound like an idiot. You had to give them an opportunity to talk about themselves instead of you talking about yourself. And now you get to the point where it's really time to make money, which is your recommendation. And people flush it all down the drain by using all sorts of weak language. So what I've, what I've seen with this, and I still coach a few of Springs agents, uh, three of them. And it's interesting. It's basically the way you said it is perfect. But what I think of when you talk about that is, are you coming with confidence mm-hmm. or are you afraid? Mm-hmm. Right. Because fear is going to make you feel like you you're not worthy or not qualified to make mm-hmm. those recommendations. Mm-hmm. 
And if you just come with confidence, they're going to feel that. And it's yep. so important, which, you know, the simple thing is in Utah, this is not in every state, but in Utah, people ask for buyer broker agreements. And if you could go out and show 15 homes, then they could go have someone else write their offer. Mm-hmm. If you don't get, if you don't get one signed. So there are some agents that never ask for those because they're afraid yeah. and because they don't, they don't have the confidence. Yep. And so anyway, it's a great example. So thank you. It's great advice. I'm excited to hear what the fifth one is here, Josh. Yeah. Just to, to close up on that. I mean, your income is a direct reflection of the value that you add to other people's lives. So if you're afraid to ask for that, you're not going to make much money. It's just as simple as that. If you're afraid to ask people for permission to add value in their lives, how in the heck are you ever going to be able to add value to someone's life? You got to be yeah. willing to ask. Yeah. And like you said, people are, people are drawn to that, that confidence, to that um, excitement, to that enthusiasm, to that energy. So great point. Last one here is they invest too much time with unmotivated leads. How many times have you seen this happen? You got a handful of leads, you got this little pile of leads, whatever it might be. And you're, you're operating from a scarcity mindset and you've got this guy, he answers your call every once in a while, you know, and then he, he has a 20 minute conversation with you about how it's just not quite yet the time. And so at Rockerbox, we call this painting a rock because a Rockerbox, of course, of course, is an old gold mining tool used to separate grant gravel and sand from gold. And if you can think about all the funny stories in the gold mining days, what was one of the things that people used to do is there was a, there's some other rock that looks like gold, but it's not quite gold. They would try to pass it off as gold. I don't remember what it was. Fool's gold. Fool's gold. <laughs> yeah. And so, so we, that's what we call it. Rock box painting rocks. We don't want to paint rocks. You don't, you can't create an opportunity where there is none. If someone has these, you know, hallucinations of a, of a, of a wish list for what their home's going to be. And you keep spending time with that person, hoping that, well, maybe if I just spend more time with this person, eventually they'll qualify for a home or eventually they'll, you know, start looking at things in their price range, or eventually they'll, um, you know, finally take the next steps to get their home on the market or get it sold. But too many people waste too much time with unmotivated leads and you can't motivate a lead. Again, this is a personal situation that's happening in somebody's life that's causing them to buy or sell real estate. You're never going to convince someone that they need to be buying or selling real estate. So a lot of times with weaker agents, people with a scarcity mindset is they're, they're, they're holding on and they're grabbing onto these, these unmotivated leads and thinking, maybe if I spend more time with them, then eventually I'll get them to become motivated. Well, you need to move on from that lead and it's still be respectful to your audience, be respectful to your database and give people an opportunity to stay in touch with you and definitely stay in touch with them but don't waste all your time with that cold lead that's not yet motivated. You got to move on. You got to find another lead source. There's a million different opportunities under the sky of people that you could be having conversations with about real estate. And so again, we see that time and time again, where people are just, they're holding on to too much hope from that one own motivated lead. And it's wasting a bunch of time that they could have had 20, 30 other conversations with other people to discover more motivations from other leads. I, I see this all the time, Josh. I think it's, it's that fear thing again, because if I have 20 or 30 people in my, let's just say in my hot funnel mm-hmm. and I feel like, oh yeah, I've got 20, 30 people here. I just need to focus on getting these guys closed. Mm-hmm. Well, anyone, anyone that is a rock star in real estate spends at least two, maybe three hours every morning mm-hmm. prospecting new leads. And there's a reason. So they don't get caught up in that. Right. Yep. So, yep. 
every single morning, two to three hours, prospect mm-hmm. new leads. And then in the afternoons, follow up with those people. Yep. And you're going to have, you're going to have a lot more of those people yep. if you're prospecting every day. And you're exactly. going to really be able to get the ones that truly are interested, that truly are hot leads versus, yep. versus those ones that will just drag you out for six months. Yeah. That allows you to have an abundant mindset. And I, I think so many agents think, you know, it's, it's almost, it's their way of making an excuse to themselves of, I don't have to prospect, right? Mm-hmm. I got some leads here. I got to talk yeah. to them, you know? Yep. No need yeah. to generate new business. So that that's great advice. Yeah. If you'll send these over to me, Josh, we sure. will, we will publish these. Um, awesome. Especially as we roll this podcast out and yeah. uh, that'd be great. Always happy to serve the community in any way. That's how I got to where I was from learning from others. And so happy to be in a position to, to share with others from our you know, mistakes and our successes that we've made as well. So Josh, I've got a couple more things I want to talk to you about. The first mm-hmm. is I just want to get your take on where this industry is going. Mm-hmm. You've been in it for 11 years now. Um, mm-hmm. Your take might be different than mine, but I love to just learn what, what you see is happening right now in this industry. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the most exciting things that I've seen over the last couple of years is the emergence of new brokerages and virtual brokerages like EXP and Real. Because, you know, just literally three or four years ago, it was almost like a, a joke when people were, were being introduced to EXP and, and, you know, the opportunity to create, you know, uh, revenue streams and, and, and actually take an industry that's never really set people up for retirement to actually give them some, you know, some sort of life plan for what happens after I stop selling. And then just recently, I know Spring just joined Real, what was it, six months ago? And uh, I've had a lot of really good conversations with her about that and just talking to a lot of the high level teams, team owners and uh, influencers and and vendors in the industry and just really seeing that that's definitely caused quite a shakeup in the industry. I think obviously um, a year and a half ago, the whole world was brought new challenges with, uh, you know, with the whole crisis of COVID. And um, for myself, I've, I've actually worked virtually for when I started at Viral Marketing, I worked virtually. Uh, when I started Rockerbox, of course, I was in the World Headquarters College Station for several years. But four years ago, I moved out to San Diego. Um, I just love it out here. It's a, you know, just kind of a lifestyle choice. And um, I've been running my, my company from Zoom for you know, four years now. And so about a year and a half ago, I felt like the rest of the world kindly finally caught up to where I was. And so it makes it a, a, a much more easily navigable uh, and business environment that we're in. I mean, so many of us are working from home or working remotely. In fact, this summer, I spent four months traveling across the country in an RV with my wife and my one-year-old daughter and just you know, got a little bit of internet connection here and there, a little bit of cell phone service here and there, and was able to stay connected to the business. So I think it's a really cool thing that we're seeing again, that the way it was kind of started three, four years ago with the evolution of EXP and people saying, why do we need all this brick and mortar? Why do we need all this desk space? Why do we need all this stuff that people don't actually use? And let's just think outside the box and let's think about, you know, realistically, what is it that we truly need in order to solve our clients' problems? And so, again, I felt very fortunate that that's kind of how our business started. You know, obviously, none of our clients are in our own backyard. All of our clients all are across the country and, and we're able to grow and scale and leverage that, that resource for agents to, to grow and scale their teams as well. So I'm just very excited to see the quick evolution that has happened over the last couple of years and uh, excited to see where what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, that's the CSU is the same way. We were we've been remote since day one. We do have an office that people can go into, but we have a team that's spread all over the country. Mm-hmm. And I think that 
that used to not be the case for everyone, right? People used mm-hmm. to say, if you're a tech company, you need to be in the Bay Area. Yep. Now everyone that's in the Bay Area is moving out of the Bay Area because yeah. they, want, they want to be somewhere else. So <laughs> I spent, uh, it was up on the ski lift this weekend and I met with a couple of people and they're like talking about all these, it's, it's just a couple, you know, that their kids are out of the house and they're just talking about all these places they're going and they're basically, you know, talking, they, they listed off like six different ski areas and states that they've been to this year, mm-hmm. just trying to find the good snow. And I'm yeah. like, so are you guys retired? And they're like, no, we're both attorneys and we just, yeah. we can work from anywhere now. So that's awesome. Anyway, they've just adopted that schedule and, you know, maybe they get three or three or four hours of skiing in every day. And then they mm-hmm. work, just work a little bit different hours. Yep. So there's, there's more and more and more of that. And I'm, I'm seeing it everywhere I go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the thing is for a lot of people and we, I took my sales team part of them to dinner last night cause we had this awards contest. Mm-hmm. So I took the winners to dinner with their spouses last night. Nice. And, uh, it, it was interesting to, to just get their feedback on this whole remote thing mm-hmm. because it's not about, it's not about the hours you spend. It's about what you produce. Yep. Right. Yep. And so, so anyway, um, comes back to value. Yeah. Yep. You know, what, what is the value you're providing? What is, what are the results you're getting every day it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with time. You're sitting in the office looking busy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The world has changed pretty, pretty quickly. And in fact, one of our clients actually sells, you were talking about ski towns. Her real estate team is up a ski town in Colorado and her and her husband live down in Puerto Rico, sitting down on the beach selling, uh, mountain ski resort property. So yeah, anything is possible. It's, it's, it's really cool to see how this evolution of the business world has, which again, people like, like you and me have been used to this for a while, but we were outliers. We were yeah. kind of weirdos for working from home. Like you work from home, what you can't afford an office or what? Like, no, well, it's not necessarily the case, but, um, it's really cool that now the rest of the world has been put into this position where, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, living out here in San Diego, I have, I have a new baby and I would ask my parents, Hey, you want to get on a zoom? They'd be like, wait, what is this again? Do I have to download something? What is that? I don't understand. What's the password. I'm, and now it's like, they're asking me if I want to get on a zoom so they can see their granddaughter. So yeah. Uh, isn't that great? Yeah. It's been a great evolution. Good, Josh. Um, so just a couple of things. So you've traveled for four months. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's a little extreme. Like, I'm sitting in my home. People don't know if I'm in my home office or mm-hmm. my office office, or if I'm in my motor home mm-hmm. and you spent four months in your motor home yeah. traveling the country. And thankfully we got, to, we got to see you for a night, but yeah. like, how did that work out? Just give us, give us like your daily schedule when you're in a motor home and you know, how do you make, how'd you make that work? Cause it's a yeah. little, a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. The motorhome life was definitely a little bit different, not as uh, systematic as a, as a normal business week. But the most important thing was that I had my consistent meetings and one-on-ones anchored throughout the week that then I would schedule around and make sure, you know, I was not driving or I had a solid internet connection, but essentially the, what our board chart and what our flow of business looks like week to week at Rockerbox is like I said, we have about 35 to 50 callers on staff at any point in time. And um, roughly about 20% of them are in a leadership position. So 80% of the people doing the work, 20% in leadership. And so that's as far as my reach goes. I, I spend a lot of time with that top 20%. We have floor leaders. We also have some full-time managers that manage the, the client relationships. 
And so each and every week I would have, you know, meetings with the leadership team and we would talk about the growth and development of our own talent and our own staff and what our needs were and, and, and what improvements we needed to make. And then I would have a meeting with my managers and we would talk about our relationships with our clients and how their accounts were performing and, and what lessons we've learned and what best practices we want to share with the rest of the team. Uh, and then I would do one-on-ones. So that would be the opportunity for me to really invest in um, each one of those people in leadership in their development as a leader. Um, and so that would simply be you know, a 30-minute one-on-one once a week with those top leaders on my team. And that system that you know consistent flow of business would keep everything you know fully operating all the, the communication was was getting out on the table all the action items were getting completed all of the you know metrics are being analyzed so that conversation was happening every single week i might be in you know salt lake utah or i might be up at uh you know olympic national park in washington but either way it was the same meetings the same one-on-ones the same level of accountability and sharing of ideas so uh, other same, than that, same though, thing you're doing in San Diego today, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I know when you were traveling, you you were like, hey, we're looking for where we might want to end up and what we might want to do. And, you know, I see you're back in San Diego. So <laughs> yeah. I think San Diego is still your it's, favorite place. Is that yeah. Right? Yeah. My, my, my soul feels uh, complete here. It's, uh, it's, I grew up in, I was born in Kansas. So I definitely suffered some of the worst of the weather in the mid, in the Midwest. You know, you get the coldest of the cold and the, the hottest of the hot and you get all the tornadoes and, and, and all that stuff. Moved to Texas when I was in first grade. So then I got to get used to the heat and the humidity of the Houston area. If, you, if you've ever been there before, you know what I'm talking about. And so I endured that for a couple of decades of my life. And, um, you know, finally, when I got to the point in my business where I had you know, achieved some financial success and some some, some freedom of you know, time and choice and, and, and where it was that I wanted to work from. I had always loved San Diego and actually sort of following the path of, of Frank Klesitz from Viral Marketing. He moved out here about three, four years ago before I did. And uh, I was like, hey, that's kind of a cool idea. Sit out here and enjoy the 75 degree weather year round. And you know, like you said, stay connected and stay, stay connected through Zoom and phone and internet and you can keep everything going. So yeah, San Diego is, is home for, for me and my wife and, and my daughter. So now that Frank uh, got you locked into San Diego, he moved out to Nashville. I saw. So yeah, he did. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah, just this summer, uh, he moved out to Nashville with the wife and kids, and he's uh, enjoying it out there as well. Yeah. Well, Josh, thank you so much. I mean, uh, geez, it's always great catching up with you, and we need to spend some time together over the next week. But yeah, certainly. Uh, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Great getting your advice, and something that every every team owner and every agent should be aware of these five points. So uh, thank you for sharing those with us today. Yeah. Happy to help out. And if anybody has any more questions or, or suggestions or thoughts, or you want to share your own feedback, uh, shoot me an email, Josh at Rockerbox. It's spelled a little strange. It's R O K R B O X rockrbox.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know what's on your mind. Love to continue the conversation with you. Is, is that the best way to get a hold of you just through email? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shoot me an email. And I'll uh, be sure to get a hold of it and respond. All right. Thanks so much, Josh. Hey, thank you, Brian. Appreciate you having me on the podcast. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your set of fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT. 
the Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.